Good evening, everyone. My friends, uh, seating is much better tonight than it was last week, Saturday, with over 750 people here. Where are they? We are still in Christmas. Christmas is not just one day for the Roman Catholics. We celebrate with intensity in an octave, so we're still in the octave, and uh, until next week, Sunday, and there are some that hold even a more ancient tradition that goes further, so we're still in Christmas mode. Um, I'll have to make sure I, next year I tell them that. Uh, <laughs> but my friends, uh, the opening prayer for today, it says, it's a, it gives praise to God. We thank you for giving us the example of the Holy Family. And my friends, I look at that, and I have to talk to you about that, because uh, the Holy Family has two saints and the Son of God in it. That's a pretty big example, <laughs> isn't it? St. <laughs> Joseph, the Queen of Heaven, and the Son of God. That's what the church is presenting to you as the model. So let's look at that. And my friends, we call them the Holy Family. We do not call them the perfect Holy Family. We call them the Holy Family uh, because of the virtues and values that this family that we know lived. And sometimes we have a picture, perfect and romanticized notions about them, and um, these idealized notions of the Holy Family with angels that talk to them, remember? And Gabriel comes, talk to Mary. Joseph gets one in a dream. And as I said, the Son of God. And uh, it looked like uh, from the angel, the angel was kind of guiding Joseph, gave him a warning uh, about uh, what Herod was up to. And uh, this leads one to imagine that they never had agonized over anything. Uh, and decisions were easy for them. And the church holds up the Holy Family then as an example or model for our families today. So the question, perhaps, is it too much to aspire to? Although we are not told a great deal about the life of the Holy Family in the Gospels, we get some glimpses. These glimpses are enough to show us that their life on earth was not perfect from the way the world would understand it. We come to understand that the Holy Family had its share of life's storms and troubles. For example, the Scripture tells us that at first Joseph was going to end his betrothal to Mary in a nearby town and divorce her. And when it came time for Jesus to be born, Joseph and Mary had to go into a strange accommodation into the barn, basically, with the animals. And their joy at the birth of their firstborn was short-lived and interrupted because he immediately became the target of Herod's assassins. So they had to take the child and flee to a foreign country, to Egypt. Did you guys see the irony in that? God delivers the Hebrews through Moses, out of Egypt. <laughs> and now he's sending his son <laughs> to Egypt to hide. This foreign country um, 
they would go there and they would live like refugees. And finally, back in their own country, they had to find a place where they could begin life all over again. So they settled in Nazareth. My friends, one time in Jerusalem, following um, the precepts of their faith, remember, they're Jewish, so they went to temple. And uh, as we heard from this gospel reading, uh, they encountered two holy temple dwellers, Simeon and Anna. And my friends, I tell you, uh, I've been in enough parishes to know that every parish has Simeon and Anana present in the parish. And there, uh, strange things are told to Mary and Joseph. And my friends, and there is the one that I shouldn't make light of, but there was a time when Jesus was around 12. During another visit to Jerusalem, he got lost. You guys remember? Jesus... Jesus got lost, and Joseph and Mary didn't know, and they were on their way out of the city. It wasn't, I think it was probably, what, three days when they discovered Jesus was not in the caravan with them. And they had to go back. <laughs> of course, what he said to his mom and dad was very interesting. He said, what are you guys worried about? Didn't you know I'd be in my father's house? <laughs> I wonder what Joseph's face looked like. <laughs> Can you get over here, young man. Get over here right this minute. Stop sassing your father. And my friends, during the public life, Mary did not always understand what Jesus was doing. She had probably anxiety, no doubt, uh, that Jesus would be taken over by the crowds. On one occasion, she even went to collect him because people came to her and said, your son has lost his mind. Or even worse, they said, he's possessed by a demon. You better go fetch your son. Later, she witnessed the tide turn against him. And the authorities charged him unjustly and took him from her. And finally comes a time, the great sorrow of his being treated like a criminal and crucified. When the sword that we heard about, Simeon said, a sword is going to pierce your heart, woman. And it did. A sword of sorrow and mourning. Well, a real sword pierced her son's heart. With this in mind, no one can claim that the Holy Family lived a sheltered or trouble-free life. That is not to say that the Holy Family did not have their time of peace and solace. There is a great amount of time given to them. And the scriptures are silent about that time. Rather, that is to say, like all families, they probably knew and experienced times of joy and peace and solace and laughter as well as many challenges of one kind or another. My friends, and I say this with love, and Jesus knows this, um, I often, when I read the scriptures, and sometimes you have to fill in the blanks, and I have a great imagination, thanks to God. And often I picture Jesus, because Joseph was teaching him how to be a carpenter. <laughs> and I thought, it's the Son of God. 
So when it didn't work out so well, Jesus. <laughs> and I can picture Joseph, stop that. <laughs> stop that right now. What, are we, what have we told you about that? And so my friends, uh, they did know times of joy and peace and solace, as well as those challenges that I spoke of and the heartaches. If only if this family had not truly experienced human existence this way, they would not serve as a real, a real example for you and I. What is important is how they dealt with these experiences, all of them, particularly the problems and the challenges and the heartache. This brings me to what makes them holy. The second reading spoke about it. The first reading highlights, I think, about Jesus. He's the Son of God. But he listened to his mother and father here on earth. That's the Son of God. He learned to be obedient to their wisdom, which is mind just. He is God. He is all-knowing, full of wisdom. And yet, Joseph and Mary had some things to teach him. And he was obedient. The scriptures tell us, particularly after a time when he was lost, that he went and he grew in wisdom, taught by his mother and father. So this becomes the model for you guys. Their family, their relationship with each other was founded and grounded in faith. The scriptures open, they went to temple. It was based on love and trust and traditions. This past Christmas, I spoke a little bit after Deacon's homily about traditions and customs. And we can see how important they were in the life of Jesus and the Holy Family. Here's what they did. They trusted God in all things. They exampled love and peace and understanding and forgiveness and patience and compassion, not only with each other, but with those who would be around them, their neighbors, who were constantly on the attack. The challenges did not break them. It did not separate them, but rather they allowed these things to unite them. And it made them, I suspect, ever more faithful, ever more patient, ever more understanding and more forgiving and more compassionate, certainly wiser, and certainly more loving. To the extent that I can say that about Jesus, certainly mom and dad, Mary and Joseph. Therefore, what made them holy were all these things, these virtues and values. And with the Lord's grace, they are the very things that assures the Christian families today that they can do the same. And most of you have to, because on a smaller scale, you experience similar things in our time. Each person, each family is a precious gift, not only to our church, but to society and to the world. We must do all we can to protect and to support our families and to ensure that our governments are doing the same thing and not doing things that are unwise, that will destroy family. 
So my friends, um, on this uh, celebration of the Holy Family, and we look to them, and we can look with love, and we can have, if you will, a little bit of humor about, I'm sure they needed a sense of humor too in their time. So today, we lift up all families to the Lord in prayer to ask for healing, for peace, for grace, and for strength because family life is not so easy in our culture these days. The Feast of the Holy Family is a chance not simply to reflect on family life in general, but to make a decision on how we will strengthen families. What will we do in this coming year? The world is going to mark the passing of time, New Year's Day. And it is good. And they make resolutions, which are usually not kept. Joe, would you agree with that? Do they usually make them 90% of the time they don't keep to them? Now, he would, he's a good life coach. He would know. He knows people in this way. My friends, uh, we should look to see how do we strengthen our own families in this coming year? How do we make it stronger? What is the bridge that connects the generations of solid traditions? And how to make it a more effective place of faith? How to make it a more vital and life-giving and tangible part of the mystical body that is Christ, the church, before our society. The family is vital for the well-being not only of, each, of us, each other, and our families, but for society as a whole. It is the family that we, in the family, we acquire many skills or relationships where we develop the right moral sense. Next to faith, all the other influences upon us, the family is by far the most powerful. And my friends, tomorrow I'll probably talk a little bit more about Simeon and Anna. Uh, they are in their 80s. They become the image of grandma and grandpa. In this day with Alexa and Siri, and now who knows what AI, I get worried about a grandma and grandpa filled with wisdom and experience of different things. There is nothing that Alexa can say that could surpass the wisdom and knowledge of a grandma and a grandpa. Certainly, Love. You're never going to get that from Alexa. I asked, Alexa, do you love me? <laughs> there was a pause. <laughs> and I thought, I'm unplugging you. <laughs> so my friends here, uh, we want to continue to, because when I speak about family, I'm speaking about the nuclear family, which is you. This one over here, too. I haven't seen, I see you guys all the time, but the rest of this family I don't see. But it's good to see you. And they stand out because they don't have red hair. <laughs> For me, uh, they stand out. Yeah, every year we do. It's a joy to see, to see you folks every year. It's good to have you here. There's also the church family. We've got to continue working in the same way that I've, all those things that I've applied to the nuclear family. It must be true of the church family. This is a family. 
We must continue working. So we have the programs. We have faith formation programs. Get your children plugged into them. We're going to run the rescue project. This is going to help us to understand Jesus in a new way and have a new understanding to go deeper. It's a seven-week journey. Coming down the, the road will be a discipleship night that we're still working on where the baptized will come. Those are where the disciples are. They're baptized. They come together and we'll have conversations and talk and see how do we live our faith stronger and how does that connect not only our church uh, family, but how do we push that into society so that we can help to transform for the better society. That is what we're supposed to be doing. That is what Jesus did.